Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts. We'll continue our study in the book of Acts, chapter 5. Acts, chapter 5. The name of the message is Obey God or Man. Obey God or Man. And last week in our study, we saw the apostles were cast into jail for preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. The gospel of salvation in and through Christ alone. And one of the main factors of the message is the resurrection, of course, of Christ, which the Sadducees absolutely hated because they didn't believe in a bodily resurrection. But without the resurrection of Christ, we, were, we won't be justified. As the scripture declares, he's raised for our justification. And that's wonderful. The resurrection is wonderful, isn't it? The whole gospel is wonderful. It's what Christ has done for us. And then we saw that the apostles got cast into prison, and then God sent an angel, didn't he? God sent an angel down. Oh, this was amazing. God sent that angel down. He opened the doors, and it's plural, it's plural of doors. <laughs> so he opened the doors and let them out. And then they were closed, too. Because we're going to see today, when, when the guards are sent again by the Sanhedrin to go and fetch the apostles, the whole jail's secure. <laughs> and the guards are still standing where they are, where they're supposed to be. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I'll tell you what. Oh, my. My, they're all secured and shut. Let's start in verse 21 of Acts chapter 5, and we'll read to verse 32 for today's message. And when they had and when they heard that they entered into the temple early in the morning, so the apostles were told by the angel in the verse above, he was they were told by the angel, go to the temple and tell the people the words of life, which is preach the gospel. So it says here, and when they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning. I'll tell you what, they were there they were there right there. <laughs> they were right there as God commanded them and taught what did they teach? They preached the gospel. They taught Christ and him crucified. They taught the resurrection of Christ. But the high priest came and they that, that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel. So notice there, they have no clue about what's happened. It, they're, they're supposed to have a meeting with the apostles. So they, the Sanhedrin all come together. And notice also that the, the senate and the children of Israel, they all the bigwigs. All the religious who's who's are gathered to watch what's going to happen when the apostles are brought forth before the Sanhedrin. And they sent to the prison to have them bought. But when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety. All the doors were secure. The guards were still on guard. Right? And the keepers standing without before the doors. So the keepers were right where they were supposed to be. But when we had opened, we found no man within. They opened that door, that big old door. And they looked in that, and they looked in that cell. And there was no, it was empty. <laughs> it was empty. You, you imagine the shock of those fellows when they went in there 
and all the doors are sealed in the prison, and they go in there, and that's empty. You imagine what they... Hey, brother. Where'd they go? Now, now look at this. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them. Now, that's astonished in the Greek. They were astonished. They doubted. They were in disbelief, but they were also astonished by it. They doubted them wherewith this would grow. They were afraid that, okay, if this gets out, this is going to grow even more. All right? Remember what we looked at in Sunday school about people glorying in themselves? They, they saw they were going to lose power, prestige, money. Right? My, oh my. Then came one and told them, Behold, the man whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. The, the very ones you cast into prison, they're over, they're over at the temple. <laughs> they, weren't in, they weren't in prison. And all the doors are shut. And well, they're preaching the gospel over there. <laughs> isn't, isn't God's sovereignty absolutely amazing? Isn't it amazing, beloved? It, it just fills you full of joy, doesn't it? Could you imagine just hearing those words? Oh, they're over there. They're in the temple. Well, this fellow just told me they, they, all the doors were shut and they weren't in the prison. And now you're telling me they're in the temple? How did they get there? Isn't our great God amazing? His sovereign purpose and will was for them to go and preach the gospel at that temple in that, at that morning. And there they are. Oh, I love it. It's amazing. Then went the captain and the officers. Well, they sent them again. Go get them now. Now we know where they are. Go get them. So they sent the captain and the officers and brought them without violence. Now note that without violence. What, what happens sometimes? Say you're a soldier and you go out and you, you capture someone who's considered to be an enemy or something. They might get a little roughed up on the way back to the post, right? It's happened many times. Right? Oh my, you might get a little roughed up, but look at this. See, here again we see God's sovereignty, right? God's restraining hand. They didn't rough them up. Right? And brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have, should have been stoned. They were terrified that, that the, those who'd been converted were going to stone them if they, if they roughly took them away. Now again, that's God, that's God, his restraining hand at work, beloved, to protect them. Because they have to be before the Sanhedrin, don't they? They have to. Then went the captain with the officers, brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have should have been stoned. And when they had bought them, they set them before the council and the high priest asked them. So they put them in front of the council and the high priest now going to ask them a question. Saying, did not we straightway command you that you should not teach in his, this name? Didn't we tell you didn't we tell you you're not supposed to preach Christ? 
Oh, man. You know, a little man shaking their fist at God. Little pieces of dust. They think they're going to thwart God's mind. Didn't we tell you? Oh, my. Our God is so great. That you should not teach in this name, and behold, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. There's people talking about Christ all over the place. You see, you can't keep a Christian quiet, can you? It's going to leak out, isn't it? It's going to leak out. You filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and tend to bring this man's blood upon us. Well, we're going to look later. It's already upon them. They're the ones who, who, who riled up the mob and where they're crucifying, crucifying. Their blood's already, his blood's already upon them. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Remember, remember in a couple of previous chapters, he said the same thing? Yeah. And, and I, I don't believe he raised his voice when he said that. I think he's just talking like normal. He says, we ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew, and hanged on a tree. Him, him, Christ, him, hath God highly exalted. Hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. He's not talking about national Israel there, is he? He's talking about spiritual Israel. Oh, my. Because not all Israel saved, are they? But all, all the true Israel of God are saved, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Every one of God's sheep, the Lord will save every one of them. Every one of them. And he's still doing it today. He's still gathering in this lost sheep. My, oh my. Look at this. And we are his witnesses. They, they, they were eyewitnesses. Earwitnesses and eyewitnesses. Of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost. Whom God hath given to them that obey him. My, God gave them boldness, didn't he? <laughs> he I'll tell you what. He gives the word says here his people when, when it's needed. Oh my. Look at that. And see, we see in verse 21, let's go back in our text, verse 21, that the apostles obeyed the command of the angel sent by God to go and preach at the temple the next day. Look at verse 19. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, plural, and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. You go and preach the gospel. You go and preach Christ. Right? They didn't go and say 50 ways to be a victorious Christian, did they? No. Go and preach the words of life. Go and preach Christ and him crucified. Go and preach the only one who can save sinners. That's a command from God through this angel. My. And then where, where the apostles found? In verse 25, then came one and told them, Behold, the man whom you set, you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. They're, they're doing exactly what they were commanded to do. They're preaching Christ. <laughs> Amen, Brother Dave. Yeah, that's right. They're preaching Christ. They're preaching the only Savior, right? For sinners. 
The only way a sinner can be saved is through Christ and him alone. And the very reason they're cast into prison is for, because they're preaching Christ. They're preaching the resurrection. And, and we see here, because remember, I think it was in chapter 3 or 4, they were told, don't preach this name. Don't preach Christ. So we're seeing again, and in that, in that portion too, they said, well, is it better for us to obey God or man? They're, Peter's just putting the same thing he said to them before, before them again in, in this portion. So, but what, what do we see here, beloved? We see that Peter's putting in the, into action that we would obey God rather than man. Because he's already been told, don't you go there and preach the gospel. And what's he doing? And what's the apostles doing? They're, they're preaching Christ, aren't they? See, <clears throat> the religious hypocrites, the Sanhedrin, they thought they had all the power and whatever they said would go. Well, no. Peter said, I'm going to obey God rather than you. So he's being commanded and the apostles being commanded to preach the gospel in the temple. And where are they? They're preaching the gospel in the temple, aren't they? They're putting, they're putting action to what they've said by the grace of God. By the grace of God. Remember, it's always by the grace of God. We don't do this stuff in our own strength. Our king said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. It's all by God's grace and mercy. My, oh my. So they preach Christ. And, and they preach Christ praying that God would reveal himself to sinners. Just as he had to them. And to the multitudes that we saw in the very beginning of the book of Acts, right? From, verses, or from chapters 1 to 4, all the multitudes have been added to the church already. And even in this chapter, oh my, multitudes of people that the scripture declares. And this same desire is the same desire that every sent gospel preacher has is that God would take the preaching of the word and use it for his glory and draw on lost sinners and build up the saints. We're here for the furtherance of the gospel. That's the only reason we exist as a church. Is for the furtherance of the gospel. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. And, and as Paul said in the Sunday school lesson, we have no one else to glory in but, but, but Christ. No one else to glory in but him. My. And he draws his people. He draws his people to Christ. The Holy Spirit draws those who God gave to Christ in eternity to Christ. Were you looking for Christ when he saved you? I wasn't looking for him. I, I, I know. No, we weren't Travis. We weren't looking for Christ. Not at all. You know, isn't it, isn't it wonderful that like that lost sheep in Luke chapter 15? That lost sheep, what's he doing? He's just wandering around. Oh, there might be some food over here. Next thing you know, he's caught in the thicket, caught in all kinds of stuff, right? Bleating away. And who comes and finds him? The shepherd comes and finds him. Who came and found you and I, Brother Dave? Amen. The good shepherd. <coughs> Sister Diane, we were, we were lost out there in the wilderness, caught up in all kinds of things. He came and found us, didn't he? It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. 
and he saved us. And, and I love that picture. He takes that little sheep and he puts it on his neck. He don't break its legs. People you say, oh, it breaks its legs so he can't. That makes the sheep lame. The sheep's already lame from a fall, right? We're already lame from a fall. No, he picks us up, puts us on his shoulders, and so we could just gaze in the face of the Savior. Oh, my. And, and uh, we're, we're gazing through a glass darkly right now, right? But then face to face. Then face to face. Oh, my. It'll be wonderful. Oh, my. So this is why we must, must pre preach Christ, because Christ is the only one who can save sinners. Salvation's only found in, in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not found nowhere else. Not by our supposed good works, not by, not by Buddha, not by Muhammad, not by Mary, not by anything, not, not, even, not even by a, a specific church. Salvation's in a person. Salvation's in the Lord Jesus Christ, in him alone. My, oh my. And when the gospel's preached, God the Holy Spirit with his convicting, convicting power regenerates sinners, gives us a new heart, gives us faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and makes us willing to run to Christ. When the Lord saved you, did you run to Christ? You did, didn't you? So people get all caught up in the will and all that. Well, I'd, 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 have never, I'd, never, I'd have never willed to go to Christ unless he made me willing. <laughs> in the day of his power. And I thank him ever since for doing that for me. Oh my, I'll tell you, it's It's wonderful. And then he teaches us about his perfect sin-atoning work. Perfect. I mean perfect. Such a perfect work that all the sins of all the elect are forgiven. And for me and for you, we can say all my sins are washed under the blood. Past, present, and future. All of them. That's good news, isn't it, brother? Uh, that good news for sinners, Brother Brian? That's good news for sinners, isn't it? Oh, my, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. And, and let us remember as we're going through this book of Acts and all, always when we're going through the scriptures, God is sovereignly at control while all this is happening. It's not by chance that they were at the temple. No, they, God sent an angel to release them. They went and preached the gospel. It's not by chance they're going to be brought back to the Sanhedrin. No, Peter's going to confess to them. Christ, again. Again. Oh, my. So we're reading, what we're reading about is real people and real events, too. Let us always remember that as we're reading Scripture. We're reading about real people and real events. My. And these events took place. And you know what they were written for? Our learning and our edification. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my. So rejoice, beloved of God. As our Lord Jesus Christ was in absolute control during those days, he's in absolute control right now. Right now. I don't care about the political environment, but the, what's going on in the world. He is in absolutely full control. 
Do we believe our God's sovereign? Then he's in full control, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, my. Now, that can give us peace, can't it? Because we don't always agree with, with, with what's going on. <laughs> in the political realm or even in the world. We, we're, we're shocked, aren't we? But you know what? We really shouldn't be that shocked. You know why? There go I, but for the grace of God. We're just sinners saved by grace. My, oh my. But isn't God had mercy on us? Isn't he a merciful God? He's a God ready to pardon, isn't he? And he's pardoned we who believe. It's absolutely amazing. So he's, he's been in absolute control from eternity when he spoke the world into existence before we ever were. He's been, and he'll be absolutely in control till the end of, well, for eternity. And everything in between, right? <laughs> That's our Savior. The one, the one who saved us, the one who saved our souls. Man, what comfort that can give us, Brother Jim. The one who saved our souls is the one who's still in control of everything. And him that's able to keep us from falling. Keep us. He does it all. Praise God for a God who saves. And praise God for a God who saves and keeps us from falling. My, oh, my. So he's in absolute control as, as, it, during all this time. What's going on? May our great God help us to see the hand of our risen Savior and exalted Lord in accomplishing his sovereign purpose. His sovereign purpose. As it pleases him to do so. We just bow to that, don't we? We bow to that. And he's recorded these things for our learn. Now let's read verses 19 to 23. But the angel of the Lord, by night, opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in, in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together and all the, the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them bought. So... You can see them all, they're all, they're all getting more than, hey, we're, we're going to get them this one. Right? Oh, my. And when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, the prison truly found we shut with all safety and all the keepers standing without the, before the doors. And when they had opened, we found no man within. They're gone. They're gone. My, oh, my. So let we who are the people of God rest in the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ was in sovereign control over all those events we just read. He's in sovereign control. If, he, if he's not in sovereign control, he's not God then, is he? See, people forget that. The God of the Bible is in sovereign control. Otherwise, he's not God. If God can be manipulated by us, then he's not God. Right? It's like when you hear people say, well, let's get a bunch of people together and we'll all pray and surely God will change his mind. You can't gang up on God. Now, we pray, when we pray for folks, we pray, Lord, if it be your will, move. 
and, and right? But we 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 pray knowing that he's in control. My oh my. So this so-called great high priest, down to the lowest men in the, any position of authority, were all gathered together. All gathered together because we see they had the Senate with them, and they were all gathered together. We're gonna we're gonna get these fellows. And that high priest, he's you know, he's respected and looked upon. And how do you think he felt when he said to Peter, "We told you not to do this," and Peter just put the gospel right before him. My, oh my. Look at verse 22. But when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, the, the prison truly found we shut with all safety. It's all sealed up. It's all sealed up. And the keeper standing without the doors, when we had opened, we found no man within. Now back in the days... If you were, if the, now if this was a Roman prison, with Roman guards, they'd all be executed. My. But they, they, they say we look at this. The prison truly found we shut with all safety. They went in, Brother Tom, and all the doors were sealed. They're all locked. They all had their lock. And then the keepers are standing right in front of them, just standing there like they normally would. And then they open the door. It must not have been a little window in it. They open the door and they go inside and the whole prison's empty. That, that cell's totally empty. Where are they? Well, God sent an angel down, didn't he? Who opened those doors. Those doors were securely locked, heavily guarded, but the angel of the Lord opens them with no problem at all. No problem at all. And then closes the doors. Brother Gene Harmon brings this forth, that our great God blinded the eyes and shut the ears of those who were guarding the doors so that they knew absolutely nothing of what was taking place before them. My, oh my. No mere man could perform this miraculous deed, he, he said. And it's true. Tom, if we had buddies in prison, we'd have to go in there, break in there, and probably knock a few guards out, right, to go in and... The angel of the Lord just walks in there, <laughs> opens the doors, shuts the doors, leads them right outside of prison, shutting all the doors behind them. It's plural, right? Doors. My, oh my. What a great God. What a great God. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 12. My, oh my. And remember that the brethren... The apostles saw the glory of the Lord. They'd, they'd witnessed his absolute sovereignty. They, they witnessed the, the, the sent angel of the Lord setting them free from pr the prison they were in. They, they saw the angel. The angel talked to them. Said, you go to the temple the next day. So they, they saw him. And think about this, these so-called hypocritical so-called religious leaders were blinded by God himself. So they, they could not see the glory of God in the miracles that Christ done. And they couldn't even see the glory of God in the miracles that had been performed before this. Remember the signs and wonders? And the healing of the sick and the, 
in the casting out of devils. They were so blinded by their hate for Christ that they didn't see any of the glory of God in those things that were, that were done. And they, they actually saw nothing. They saw none of the glory of God in the preaching of the gospel either because they were so consumed with hate. They were so consumed with hate. See, when we hear the preaching of the gospel, it, it, it shows us the glory of God, doesn't it? He saves sinners. He saves rebels. He saves those who were dead in trespasses and sins and shaking their fist at him. He saves us from our sins. That's glorious. And I don't just mean one or two. I mean everything. All the words of blasphemy I spoke before the Lord saved me. All the things I've done before the Lord saved me. And all the things that I'll ever do. That doesn't give us a license to go out and go crazy, does it? Absolutely not. Now the love of Christ constrains us from sin. Look at this in John chapter 12 and ask yourself, how can anyone believe in the universal love of God in the fact that he, now, now we know he, God is love, but I'm talking about the universal love of God when people say that Christ died for everybody. He didn't die for everybody. The scripture's clear on that. He died for sinners, chosen sinners who God gave him. I don't know who they are, do you? So we preach the gospel to everyone, don't we? And God does the saving. You leave the saving up to God. He does that. He saved my soul. And I'll tell you, Scripture says, he can save to the uttermost all to come to God through him. The Spirit and the bride say, come. We say, come, come. Oh, my. But I know that if you come, God made you willing. And God gave you faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, we have to give him all the glory. And all the honor and praise. Look at this. Look at this in John chapter 12, verses 36 to 41. Well, ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus, and departed, and did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on his name. Now, they, they'd seen miracles. These folks seen miracles. They'd seen the wonder working of power of God, knowing that only God can perform these miracles, God in the flesh. That's who Christ is. He's God incarnated in the flesh, right? Look at this. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake of the Lord. Who hath believed our report? Who believes the gospel? The gospel is foolishness to man. Me standing up here and preaching that you can only be saved through Christ and him alone is foolishness to man. You know why? Because man thinks he can save himself. Man don't really think they're sinners. But God says that there's none righteous, no, not one. God says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God says there's none that seeketh after him. Right? Look at this. Who hath believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who's the arm of the Lord? His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Has he been revealed to you? Praise his mighty name if he has been. Praise his mighty name because he can be revealed to everyone. Look at this. Therefore they could not believe because that Isaiah said again, he had blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not 
see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I shall heal them. You see, God's people have been given eyes to see, ears to hear. Eyes to see who? Christ. Ears to hear the gospel, the wonderful message of God's grace, of salvation in and through Christ alone by his perfect sin-atoning work. We've been given ears to hear that. I didn't have those ears for, for the first 30 years of my life. I had no ears. I didn't have nothing to do with Christ. Didn't want nothing to do. Didn't even, didn't even enter my mind that I was a sinner. And I, knew, I knew a lot of sinners. They, they partied with me. But then I found out this guy is a sinner in desperate need of salvation. And only God showed me that. Did he do the so, same for you? It's wonderful. Oh my. See? So we've, had our, we've, had, we've now been given eyes to see Christ. We've been given an understanding because we have a new heart now, right? Scripture says we have a new heart that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Whose righteousness? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now we hunger and thirst after Christ. Look at these. These things say, said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. My. Remember Isaiah said, woe is me. I'm a man undone. In, in Isaiah chapter 6, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell, on a peer, people, I dwell with a people of unclean lips. Well, he saw that the, not only himself was dead in trespasses and sins, he's a sinner, but the whole world's a sinner, beloved. There's only one man who was born sinless. And he's prophesied in Genesis chapter 3, the seed of the woman. He's born of a virgin, Mary. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's God incarnate in the flesh, who came to save his people from their sins. That's why he came. No wonder we can only glory in Christ. No wonder we seek to give him all the glory. And we see God's distinguishing grace. You know what he does for us? He opens the prison house of unbelief for us, doesn't he? You know, we were bound up. The, the scripture says that the, the cords of iniquity had bound us up. We were bound up by cords of iniquity. We were in the prison house of sin. We couldn't, we couldn't open the door. We had no way of escape. And he came and opened the door and set us free. Set us free, beloved. There was no, no way possibly, humanly speaking, that we could get out, of that, get out of that prison house of unbelief and sin. There was no human, humanly possible way that they would get out of that prison, was there? Oh, what a picture. And who comes and lets them out? An angel of the Lord. Who came and set us free from our prison house of sin and unbelief? The Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh. My, oh my. And we, by God-given faith, now we see the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're given a little understanding, just a little understanding of God's eternal love for us. And like national Israel's high priest, the Sanhedrin, and all those self-righteous, unbelieving Jews, 
Our unsaved friends and loved ones are blinded by God himself, just like them. And we were there. We were there, beloved. We were dead in trespasses and sins. But God had mercy on us, didn't he? So now we pray for them. We don't know who God's elect are, but I'll tell you what, I pray for my family members. Lord, please, if it be your will, save them. Pray for my friends. Lord, if it be your will, save them. Right? And each opportunity I get to tell them about Christ, I'm going to tell them about Christ. Our dear brother Dave took the opportunity to tell his family when his dad died. Said, every one of you going to die. Every one of you going to end up in one of those boxes. It's true. But, but, but we can die with a hope, can't we? Only by the grace and mercy of God. And that hope is Christ. That hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior of sinners. My, oh my. So let we who are the redeemed of the Lord rejoice in God's distinguishing grace. That he, that he, he freely, freely bestows upon all his children. Through the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved on the merits of Christ, not by anything we've done. We're saved by the merit and work of Christ. Our righteousness is like filthy rags, but, but we've be, we been plunged in the fountain of the blood of Christ and come up washed whiter than snow. <laughs> so much, so much so. So much so, turn if you would to Jude. So much so, look at this. We're washed so much clean. We're so clean that this, the scripture tells us this in Jude. Oh my. Now unto him. Now unto him, this is speaking of Christ, verse 24. Now unto him. Only Christ is able to do this. We can't keep ourselves. But praise God, the Lord saves his people and keeps his people. Look at this. Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's blameless. Blameless in the Greek. He's able to present us blameless. But we're sinners from the top of our head to the bottom of our shoes, even after we're saved. He's able to present us blameless, spotless. Why? Because we're washed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's good news for sinners, isn't it? That's wonderful news for sinners. I'll tell you what. My, oh my. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And we're now we're free from the power and love of darkness. Now we're free from the power of the devil himself. He was commanded to loose us by the Lord Jesus Christ. He can't keep a hold of us. And now we're free from the power of sin. Now, we still struggle with sin, even though we're saved. We still struggle with sin. It's in us. It's, it's what we do. But praise God, it's all forgiven. 
And praise God, it doesn't have the dominion it once had over us. Every once in a while, it rears its ugly head in a, in a, in a way that we just are ashamed, aren't we? Oh, my. My, oh, my. But praise God, we're free from God's coming wrath because Jesus Christ, our substitute, endured the eternal wrath that was due us. He endured it on our room and place. Now let's read verses 22 to 25. But when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety and the keepers standing with, without the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they, were, they doubted them. Wherewith they, this would grow. Then came one and told them, Behold, the man whom you put in prison, they're, they're standing in the temple preaching. They're teaching. They're preaching the gospel. They're preaching Christ. Hmm. They're doing exactly what God told them to do. Now let's read verses 26 to 28. Then went the captain with the officers and bought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had bought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightway command you? Now, could you imagine? Did we not, did we not command you? They, he's trying to say it with all authority he can. Did we not command you not to speak about this man? You should not teach in this name. They can't even say this name. They can't even say Christ's name. They're so filled with anger. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Well, the blood's already on them. The blood's already on them. And we see here, they didn't fear God, did they? See, natural man doesn't fear God. It's only, it's only after we learn who God is, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that fear that the believer has is not a slavish fear. It's not a, it's a, it's an awe. God, he's holy, he's righteous, he's just. We're filled with awe with who he really is. That's the God of the Bible. My, but these guys, they didn't fear, they, did, they didn't fear God, they feared the people more. You know Why? Oh, we're losing money. You know, God's preachers, I've said it many times, I'll say it again. God's preachers don't preach for money. It's a calling, beloved. It's a calling. You know, I love to preach the gospel. And so do my other preacher friends. We love to preach the gospel. We love to speak of the one who saved our souls. We're thankful for what the Lord gives us. But that, that's not what matters the most. I'm more concerned for your eternal soul than anything else. And the eternal souls of all who will hear this message as it goes out in the internet. That's what's most important, right? And we, all of us pray together, Lord, save souls as the gospel goes out. If it be your will, because again, we're here for the furtherance of the gospel. 
So they didn't fear, they didn't fear God, they feared the people, though, I'll tell you what. They feared that there'd be a riot. They were fearing the wrong folks, weren't they? Oh my. And once again, the Lord Jesus Christ is in full control of this situation. Let us always remember that. Again, these are real people, real situations that we're going to be looking at through the book of Acts. And God is in absolute control. To me, this book shows us the sovereignty of God, just as it does all the other books too. But it really shows us how he's in full control. These Sanhedrin couldn't do nothing that God didn't allow. Now, the apostles are going to go through. They're going to get beaten. Right? But they're going to count it all joy, we're going to see next week, that, that they suffer for the gospel. You imagine that day someone putting a count of nine tails to our backs? And we really, well, count it all joy. That, only the grace of God can make a man say that. Only the grace of God can do that. I'll tell you. In the early New Testament saints, they loved the Lord's apostles. And rightly so. They were, they were the ordained instruments that God used to bring them the gospel. My. And there's no telling what these early believers would have done to those arresting the officers if our Lord hadn't restrained them. He restrained the officers from beating the apostles and he restrained the people from attacking the, the guards that were sent by the Sanhedrin. So we see God's restraining the hand at work. And their love for those who were sent by God to preach his gospel is what caused them to highly esteem, highly esteem the Lord's apostles for their work's sake. Again, though, our, our Lord restrained in this situation. Restrained the guards and restrained our dear brethren. And let us always remember that we're of the same camp as sinful, unregenerate people. We're, we're hewed out of the same quarry of humanity, aren't we? You know, sometimes religious folks get, get, a, get a chip on their shoulder and think they're better than everybody else. We sovereign grace people don't feel that way, do we? We know we're undeserving of this mercy. Perhaps you're sitting there shaking your head. Yeah, amen. We, we're so undeserving, aren't we? We're so undeserving of it. But look at the grace and mercy God's had upon us. Oh, my. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So, Lord, help, help us to be patient with those around us. Help us to be patient with our families and our friends and, and those who do not know Christ. Because we, we were there. We were there. And so we see then that our Lord's apostles are brought before the Sanhedrin and they said right away, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And before, behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Well... If the apostles had not been preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus Christ, if they had left out his name out of their ministry, then these unbelieving Jews would have been happy. They'd have been happy. They could have mentioned Jehovah and these unbelieving Jews would have been happy. 
but because they mentioned the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It set their wrath on fire. I remember Steve telling me one time, he goes, man, you've told me before, sometimes when you, you get with your family or friends and you mention Christ, it's like dead silence. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I experienced that the other day. He was out with friends and he mentioned Christ. And the whole table got silent, he said. You talk about anything else, right? Politics and worldly things going on. And, but you start mentioning Christ and what he's done. People get quiet or I'll say just get up and walk away. You know how I know that? Because I was one of them. And so were you, right? You were there. Charlie was. Tom, we all were that way. Didn't want nothing to do with him. My, oh my. But wasn't God patient with us? Wasn't God long-suffering with us? You know, we were the object of his eternal love and we didn't even know it. He's so patient, so long-suffering with his people. With this world, even. Oh, my. And see where it says the high priest had straightly? That, that means he threatened them. He threatened them. He threatened them. So, did, we not, did we not threaten you, command you not to preach that name? See, it's the name of Christ they hate. It's the fact of the resurrection of Christ they hate, again, because they're Sadducees, and they don't believe in the resurrection. Man. And again, if they had just mentioned Jehovah and, and kept Christ's name out of it, then these unbelieving, self-righteous Jews would have said, well done, well done. Without Christ, there's no salvation, is there? There's a lot of God people out there. You ever notice that? People say, oh, I believe in God. No mention of Christ. Oh, my. Well, when I was unsaved, I believed. I, 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 I used to tell people, I believe in God. And someone asked me about, about Christ. And I said, well, I believe in Christ. He said, you ever read the Bible? I said, uh, no. How do I know about someone I never even heard about? Right? See, God's got to give us here and here, doesn't he? Brother Tom, like you said, he's got to reveal himself to us. He's got to reveal himself to us. And, and here they say this. They, they're, saying, they're saying here, well, do you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? It already upon them. They crucified Christ. His blood, his blood was already upon them. Here they had the brazen audacity to say to the Lord's apostles, you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But when Pilate said this, he said, I'm innocent of, of the blood of this just person. Just person. See it to you, or see it, see to it, we see, they said, ah, oh, I'm, I'm all over the board. See that they answered by saying, his blood be on us and on our children, Matthew 27, 24 to 25. Their blood, 
Christ's blood is already upon them. Not in a good way either. We're covered in the blood of Christ. Oh my. Now let's read verses 29 to, 29 to 32 here. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. What an answer. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. See, he just puts, well, look at that. Boom. Drops it right in their lap. The blood's already on you. Right? Him hath, God, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. Oh, he's our prince, isn't he? And he's our savior. He's the prince of life. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We have the forgiveness of all our sins. Every single one of them. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so it is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given, given to them that obey him. Note the Lord gave the apostles boldness here to just speak about Christ. The very one the Sanhedrin didn't want to hear about, they just present him right in front of them. That's the Holy Spirit giving them boldness to do that. Oh my. The Spirit of God dwelled in them, gave them the courage. Gave them courage, beloved. And boldness to, to respond to these threats. They were threatening them. And they said, is it better for us to obey God or, or, or you or man? What an answer, right? That's wonderful. Now, I don't think, again, they spoke in an irreverent tone. I, th I think they just spoke normally. Here they are in the face of hostile enemies. Those who hate Christ, hate his church. And they're willing to die at these man's hand if it be God's will. But they will not compromise the gospel. They will not compromise it. They will not stop preaching in the name of Christ. My, oh my. Look at verses 30 to 32. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on the tree. Him hath God, highly, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now, that's a fact, isn't it? We've been given repentance before God and we've been given, we've been given faith and we have the forgiveness of sins by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are his witnesses of these things and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. They let the high priest and all the unbelieving Jews in the council know that they were guilty. Those folks were guilty of hanging the Lord Jesus Christ upon a tree. But we also know that all these things fell out according to the, the foreknowledge of God, right? Those men with wicked hands had taken our Savior. And hung him on a tree. And note how boldly the apostles declare that Jehovah God our Father not only raised his daughter and son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but he highly exalted Christ to the right hand of his sovereign power. The Lord Jesus Christ, beloved, is the exalted Prince and Savior of his chosen blood-bought people. The Lord Jesus Christ gives repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. 
to all his people, to all God's people, God the Holy Spirit gives repentance and faith. And through that faith in Christ, because of what Christ done, we have the forgiveness of sins. My. And the majority of national Israel were never granted repentance unto life, and they died in their sins. Therefore, God did not forgive them of their sins. This is speaking of spiritual Israel, beloved. Christ said, I know my sheep. He's going to get every one of them, isn't he? And every one of us who are born again, we can testify of that truth, can't we? We can testify of that truth. And then Peter says, we're witnesses. They were witnesses of Christ's incarnation. They were witnesses of Christ's miracles. They were witnesses of Christ's crucifixion. They were witnesses that he raised from the dead. They were witnesses that they saw him. And now they're, they're told, go and preach them. And they can't do anything else, can they? <laughs> All they can do is go and preach Christ. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. I'll tell you. Just amazing. God's grace is absolutely amazing. Brother Neil, would you close?